I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Ultraman Bionic. Yeah, you know, that's uh, sort of sad because, you know, we've been sort of enjoying that uh, relic of Japanese culture mm-hmm. after Future Quake the last few weeks is, a, mm-hmm. is actually a weight of escapism after all the serious topics we've had last few weeks on yeah. Future Quake. And, and now natural l- disaster has basically taken that. Little, little yeah. would we know... How Japan would be so much in our thoughts for a different reason mm-hmm. uh, right now. And ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you for another week of Future Quake. And we've got a lot of stories to share and other information. Um, quick announcements. Uh, I want to say something that's of primary importance to our listeners. Um, the Politics of Religion Conference that's coming up on April 1st and 2nd, um, I would like to put out a personal appeal to our listeners, our Futurians. If you have in any way considered at all uh, the potential of going to this conference in Fort Wayne, where I'll be speaking, Tom Bionic speaking, Chris White, Russ Dizdar, uh, Andrew Hoffman, um, who, who, who's um, is escaping uh, me? Um, possibly uh, a person with the initials W and G. Okay. <laughs> But yeah. We can't say at this point. But uh, anyway, we've got a, a full slate of, of uh, uh, guest speakers uh, for the Politics of Religion Conference. I think probably one of the most unique conferences in, in the scope of topic ever held, and mm-hmm. nothing more dearly needed to be held. But uh, we had our, our, our friend C.J. Hampton step out in faith and at tremendous risk to mm-hmm. put this together. Man, the stuff that he's been through in the last three months, it's like... He's been under major attacks, spiritual yeah. and otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, trying to stay faithful. But I just need to ask our listeners, uh, and hopefully you can understand where I'm coming from on this. If you're considering it all going, I, I want to ask you to Now's appeal to time you to, buy a ticket. to go yeah. in the next, well, within the next 24 hours, if you hear this, if you get it, we're, we're going to try to upload this show a day early. Hopefully you'll have it then. We need you by this weekend to buy a ticket. It's only $75. It includes your meals. It's going to have catered meals at the Mm -hmm. hotel. Um, And that money is necessary to pay for the room. It's necessary to pay for the expenses Mm -hmm. to to carry it off. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to impress upon you that there will come a time when these kind of conferences and things won't be available. Mm -hmm. You will Uh, be locked up in prison. Well, that's one option. And me too. I mean, that that may be us. one thing, or it may be for some other reason due to financial issues and things mm-hmm. that people will not be available to step up and put all the effort to put this stuff together. And I know um, this is not about you and me, Tom, but I know you and I have put together an incredible Herculean effort just to try to have something meaningful to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have something unique at, here, at this conference, you, something the, meaningful to say. I'll let you vouch say. for how cool some of my slides are here. Oh, no. Well, that's we're on the air live here, look, Tom. Look, we don't have time for this. That's, look how but awesome these are. The point that I'm making. Look at these. Look at that. Okay. Look at that. He's he's really got some fancy pictures. I mean, oops. He's go got heavy-duty information and fancy pictures. I have... Heavy-duty information without fancy pictures. A very rare photo of the Shaw's troops actually at Mossadegh's house. 
Oh my goodness. Look at that. That there's yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I'm telling you, man, look at this. You've, you you've done some stuff here on this, Tom. Look at this. It's a shame our listeners who are wondering what what you're talking about on this. Yeah, he's putting a yeah. lot of effort into the only existing picture of, and flash. Uh, the only existing picture of Mahmoud Afshartis. Yeah, <coughs> and I assume he's important. Yep, the Rashidian brothers put a cap in his head. Okay. Uh, to try and uh, uh, it, it, classic false flag terror event. The right. Rashidian brothers put a cap in his head to shock the Tehrani public. He was the Tehrani chief of police, and uh, they took him out into the sticks, mm. and uh, then called the police. And when the police got close, they, mm. and uh, they went to jail. But um, they had already bought off mm. uh, Kermit at Roosevelt's people had already bought mm-hmm. off most of the politicians, and so they immediately were able to get mm-hmm. off. Well, long story short, ladies and gentlemen, um, if you're procrastinating, if you're thinking, oh, I need to get to that, I need to get to, get to you know buying that ticket, or am I going to go? Am I not going to go? Please, in the next 24 hours. If you could buy a ticket, you would be doing us a tremendous favor. Mm-hmm. And just go to the website, thepoliticsofreligion.com, go get your ticket. And I'll leave with that. You read between the lines there, but uh, we need need for you to get it. You're going to have a great class of speakers, and we'll be there as well. Macronosis Island, where the where they ha- where the Greeks had a secret concentration camp between 1946 and 1950. Did somebody help you with your slides? Did somebody help you with the layout no. and stuff? No. I've been, you don't, you don't even understand how much work I put into this thing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to come see it. It is a marvel. In fact, Richard Branson would be intimidated and Steve Jobs <laughs> by what he's got on this. Uh, Look at this. Look okay. At I know it looks great. We got uh, we got to move on. There he is actually addressing, that's where he actually addressed Churchill. I actually addressed the House of Commons and said it was mm. stupid to bring children to a political demonstration. That's the, that's the picture. How many slides do you have? About 47 right now. 47? Yeah. Okay. Got all these great historical I think pictures. I have 48. Yep. So Here's far. a picture of a mix of uh, We're on the Athenian air. police and Hellenic raiding force okay. people with the British interspersed machine gunning people from the rooftop secretly. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I have a personal appeal. <laughs> Please come to the conference because this has gone to his head. He has become obsessed this is all I hear is false flag terrorism all the time. <laughs> I need something sunny to hear. So how about that one? That's sunny. You're isn't gonna it? knock your tea off of there if you need. That's sunny. Okay, let, let's get on to some stories. Okay, right, okay. Right, okay. Uh, let's get on to that. I saw your pictures, ladies and gentlemen. Please come check out the conference and also go to our YouTube page. Uh, Brother Charles um, has set that up. Our friend and Futurian. And if you go to, uh, I think it's Future Quake Archive, uh, just type that in at YouTube. You'll get it, or there's a link at the front of futurequake.com. You'll find the video mm-hmm. from the NRB prayer event. You'll find uh, new shows being added every week, some of them from our early days, but they're in high-fidelity audio on YouTube. And he's doing a fantastic job. So um, if you want to send a thank you here an email, we'll pass it on to him. Um, but uh, that's just something going on. Mm-hmm. Our two-book set is still available. If you go to the front of com, if you can get our two-book set that has uh, Lies the Government Told You by Andrew Napolitano, Judge Napolitano, and the Eugenics Wars, or the New World Order and the Eugenics Wars by Andrew Hoffman, it's a two-book set in a special FutureQuake packaging. You can check it out on the front of com. Uh, that helps our expenses for the show. 
and we'll appreciate if uh, the Lord moves you to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's it for announcements, unless there's something else that you have. Mm, can't think of anything. That's it? Yeah. Okay. And he's mesmerized by his beautiful slides that he has. I'll tell you what, man. Which they are. They look... But you know what? You don't have near the words on your slides. I've got like five, six hundred words at, on a slide. Here are the here are the Nazis actually at the Acropolis. Okay, I see it. Our, our listeners cannot. Can I communicate that to you? They're going along with this. I, I too, I'm going to I'm going to jump in and read an email. We used to do that at the end of the show from one of our future and friends in the heart of the whole mess in Japan right now. Okay. Oh, please do. Yeah. And. Um, you know, this is changing so quickly over there, and I, I, I've been a little mesmerized by it. Because when I'm finding what people are saying on the ground and what the government says are two different things, surprise, surprise. It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, but um, they're not really being straightforward with the things that are going on, as it appears. As but, an understatement. But um, one of our dear friends of the show, a Futurian by the name of Nathan over in Japan, has uh, always been supportive of our show, sent great uh, supportive information. Uh, send an email just letting us know about, about him and what's going on over there, mm-hmm. and at least in his local area. Can I jump in? It's a little bit of a narrative here from the email, but thought you might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was greetings from Japan from Brother Nathan. He says, um, thank you always for your thoughtful and thought-provoking shows. Uh, you have both been such a blessing to me and somewhat indirectly my wife and children. In the past, I really had a critical attitude toward the idea of online fellowship. But through your show and other shows on the RRN, or Revelations Radio Network, mm-hmm. I have come to recognize that the community is real. Uh, though divided by physical location, we are not a house divided. We are one in Christ Jesus, and our prayers, prayed in agreement with the will of God, will change beyond what we now realize, will affect change beyond that. And I think he should have his own show, I think. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um in the in you know the Japanese arm of the RRN. Yep. In the past year and a half, your shows, along with other shows and websites hosted by like-minded brothers and sisters, have really shaken up my worldview. Praise God! A pastor friend of mine often quoted one of his theology professors: "If you aren't confused, you probably aren't growing." Whew, well, that's a good sign for me then, because yeah, I stay I'm confused, confused on here. I know. Thank you for faithfully pa- painting outside the man-made lines and crossing lines that should not even be recognized as such by followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the times that I've been able to experience another future quake. Uh, in the past 72 hours, the country that I have called home for 10 years has been shaken in so many more ways than I can begin to describe. And it is because of this that I would like to call you and your many listeners to pray for the people of Japan. Mm-hmm. No doubt that so many people already have. Although I live in uh, perhaps a thousand kilometers to the southwest of the epicenter of the magnitude 9 quake, I know people who, in all likelihood, have lost friends and loved ones. Yesterday, Sunday, a friend of the family, a woman whose heart was already beginning to be softened to the gospel, came to our fellowship, sharing with us that her mother, sister, sister's family, and many friends uh, lived in uh, Takajo, one of the towns hit by the 10-meter tsunamis. Our friend uh, had received a phone call just after the quake from her sister saying that she and her family were safe, but they needed to evacuate because of the tsunami warning. Since then, our friend hadn't heard any news of anyone's whereabouts. News footage shows the aftermath in uh, Tokjo, a town nearly erased completely from existence and huge natural gas fires from the coastal petroleum storage facility. 
Many Western Christians may feel that such a disaster may only harden the hearts of the people of Japan, but I believe, at least for a season, that hearts will be softer than ever. Mm. Please, please consider the reaction of the Japanese people. Great sadness, but also a calm acceptance of the frailty of human life. I believe the atmosphere of grief and mourning, though painful and unhappy, is a beautiful chance for true believers in Japan to shine the light of the gospel. The area that was probably hardest hit, Izumi, was blessed with a missionary family that shared the gospel incessantly. One of the missionaries in question, an older American who came to Japan about a half century ago, spoke Japanese fluently and was not ashamed of the gospel. He often drove, drove around his area with a loudspeaker, preaching the truth to anyone who would listen wow. and to those who otherwise wouldn't listen. In this work, for a time, he faced a certain amount of police harassment, but later he was called a true Christian by the police themselves. Wow, that's cool. Now, in this life, we will never know how many of those who lost their lives in the walls of water cried out like the thief on the cross to the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering the words of the missionary as the Holy Spirit brought it back to their thoughts. At this moment, there are tens of thousands who are homeless, broken-hearted, and wondering when help will come. I took a hot shower last night after eating a good meal. There are many wondering when they will sleep again in a heated building. I slept in a warm bed. There are many who were separated from children or parents. I could hear my children snoring last night. There are many who lost husbands or wives. My wife said good morning to me when she awoke this morning. All that has happened in Japan has happened with God's permission. Paul Washer says, There is not a rogue molecule in all the universe. I will not speculate whether it is a judgment or blessing. Don't they go together? But I have no doubt that the Lord will use this for much good. Please join with your brothers and sisters in Japan in praying for a great harvest. Pray that the Lord would bring boldness to us so that we would preach Christ and Christ crucified to all whom we meet. Pray that we would use our hands, our mouths, and our resources to live out the good news. Your brother in Christ, Nathan, in Yamaga, Japan. Uh, and he said, uh, feel free to share any of this if, if you wish, if you think it will be a blessing. And please, please do ask our brothers and sisters to pray for the people of Japan, especially for a loving boldness among Christians. The days are short. Mm-hmm. And um, I responded back to him and, in fact, told him that we would be, be doing that. Do you want to well, say a little quick little prayer? Yeah, but I, can I add, he just added something else. And in response to that mm-hmm. email, if that's okay. Um he, uh, when I told him that we would we would do that, he says, uh, "Dear brother, he says, thank you for your kind and quick response. The effects of the earthquake and tsunami were not felt in our area at all. That is physically. We are at this point only affected intangibly. And that's because I asked about him. As for the inside scoop about the reactors, I'm sorry to say that you probably know as much or more than I do in the situation. In discussing it with my wife, who is Japanese, we have noted that men speaking at the press conferences as well as the talking heads on the news programs." continue to use very vague language when explaining the situation. Both of us agree that this generally is code for, we're in deeper than we thought and we don't have any idea what to do. This is just my opinion and not a particularly informed one, although that's sort of the impression I've gotten from hearing their things too, mm-hmm. is it's like they're they're nobody, trying to save face yeah, and they don't doesn't know what's going on. They don't want to like, oh, it's really not that big deal. It's Half like this honorable. trying to get out of Tokyo, yeah. but don't worry. Yeah. He says, you asked me if there was something that you could do for me. My hope is that you will, one, continue to pray, two, encourage preparedness in your local area, three, discourage people from being drawn into the fear that comes with indulging their morbid curiosity, 
through the sensationalized news. Bad as, it, bad as it is, it is nothing compared with war. Remember, between 3 and 4 million Japanese people died in Japan during World War II. First of all, please pray specifically for those who are still need a rescue, that they would be found quickly. For those who have found shelter but do not have their basic needs met, that they would be able to obtain food, water, and medical aid. And for those who are mourning, that they would be comforted by the only one who can comfort them uh, via Christian brothers and sisters who can reach out to them with the truth of the gospel. Most of these people don't have any real strong religion to, to lean on, period. There. No, it's kind of like temples and incense, and that's about it. Yeah. Also, and this has been particularly heavy on my heart, please pray for miraculous, undeniable divine intervention at the nuclear power facility, that if it is God's will, he would send angels to guard over and contain the situation. The only other option that I see is that people, particularly those involved in cleanup and containment, when, if it is necessary, will lose their health and eventually their lives. I don't have a good answer to this dilemma, even in the little ideal world that I keep in one corner of my mind. Also, please prepare. My pastor reminded us on Sunday that it is not a matter of if, but a matter of when a disaster will affect us. He showed us that it is a Christian's duty to prepare not only for themselves, but also for their neighbors. Disaster preparedness is a kind of ministry. We have begun a food pantry at our fellowship to help those in need whenever disaster strikes. Whenever we go shopping... We should buy an extra can or other non-perishable item. It may not be enough, but it is a start. Mm-hmm. He also encouraged us to prepare for one week of camping for ourselves and another person. He printed up a helpful packet of ways to prepare for disaster. Though we cannot at this point get supplies from our area to the disaster zone, we can be ready to help others tangibly so that they may uh, live to hear the gospel. Please encourage others to be ready to help rather than be ready to panic when disaster strikes. And finally, please remember that Satan enjoys watching people, especially God's children, fearful and incapacitated because of fear. God has not given us such a spirit. As such, no matter how bad it gets, we must remember that God is in control. He loves the people of Japan. This disaster is terrible from a human standpoint and from our standpoint, but it is not shocking to our loving Father. He is allowed for purposes that we cannot yet see, but it will work for good. Please remind your listeners that we have absolutely nothing to fear if we put our faith in Christ Jesus. We can mourn, we can pray, we can cry out, but we should not be afraid. I have had to turn off the TV and simply live. Mm. The mass Boy, media. That's some good yeah, right there. The mass media thrives feeding morbid curiosity. Please help others to realize this and to turn off their TVs when necessary, which is most of the time, and get on their knees, <laughs> <laughs> praising right God on. for His goodness and asking Him for help. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Blessing and peace on you, your wife, and Tom Bionic, Nathan. So, um, I know that was long, but I thought that was worth sharing. Mm. And uh, I will lead us in prayer, if you don't mind, and then we'll get a story from you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Brother Nathan and, and for his family and the people in his community, Lord, and for all the people in Japan. And, Lord, we pray the prayer that uh, our brother suggested we pray. We pray that you would meet the immediate physical needs of people that need to be rescued or in some shelter and need food and water and other basic essentials or need heat. Lord, we pray that you would find a way to sustain them, that their lives would not be in jeopardy. And that, uh, Lord, this this uh, uh, fear and, and panic and things that I could understand they might feel in this situation, that you could be present in their midst, Lord, and show them that they are going to be taken care of and lord i just pray for those who are mourning lost loved ones and there's many right now lord that don't even know what their loved ones are still alive 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, I pray for all of them that they would be comforted by you. And um, Lord, I, I would never wish this on anybody, but the fact that it has come, we pray that somehow it would work for good mm-hmm. for people to recognize yes. their spiritual needs and that it would take them out of any kind of materialistic focus that they might have mm-hmm. and that they would stop and think that they need to be prepared for the life to come. But it could come at any moment and that now is the time to be right with their creator. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that the Christians who are there ready to witness would be ready to share the word and that you would direct them to someone who needs to hear it and is ready to respond to the word. And Lord, I pray that you would show us here what we can do to help the people of Japan uh, and their physical needs and also their spiritual needs and and how we can be there at a time when they're, when they're shell-shocked, when they when they feel a long-term fear and maybe even a desperation about their own nation, Lord, because mm-hmm. of their economy and things, uh, that we would show them that there's something else that they can stand stand in rather than their economic might. Lord, we, we pray for them because we love them, and we pray for Brother Nathan and all of our future and friends, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right on. Okay. okay, you got a story for us, bro? Oh, gosh. Do we want to hear about the... Um, Uh-oh, here you go, decision time. Dun, dun, have you prioritized dun, them? Prioritize them. I don't like prior. I, you know, I like it when you have some input, too, because okay. there's things that I think are, like, deeply... And then I start reading them, and I'm like, wait a minute. All right. I went way too down the rabbit hole on this one, and nobody understands these 50 acronyms. Well, so. me too. Here's a short one. Secret FBI, CIA documents, sex videos found at Egypt's terror police headquarters. Okay. Um, this is from Gizmodo. You know, fairly reputable website. Hmm. I don't uh, ever read them. Really? Uh-uh. Well, they got a bunch of stuff. Hmm. Pretty good. Um, this mountain of shredded paper taking over several rooms was found inside the Egyptian secret police's headquarters in Cairo on May 5th. Uh, when hundreds of angry people invaded it, they called this day their Bastille Day. And uh, along with this article, you know, it's radio, so I can't show you, but there was a... Um, Interesting, let's say, photo collage. Mm-hmm. Enraged population liberated prisoners still in their isolation cells, deep underground, no larger than phone booths. In the process, they found torture devices, mountains of shredded documents, dozens of computers stripped from their hard drives, and a stash of sex videos uh, tapes shot clandestinely showing famous people, from actors to prominent politicians, both Egyptian and from other countries. The videos were recorded by the secret police in hotel rooms, and nobody knows uh, nobody knows who stars in them, but I'm sure the world will know about it very soon. Wow. This is all material to extort people. Yeah. Blackmail. Mm-hmm. Uh, not surprisingly, the liberators found plenty of other material, like FBI and CAA documents held by the secret police, allegedly detailing some of the collaboration of the U.S. agencies with these shady Egyptian corporations. None of these documents have been published yet. And uh, it was just, yeah, I saw the, um, the the photo collage is like, yeah, it's like this wave of shredded paper, like hip high coming out of this, out of this door and into this room. And, you know, like they show these steps to go down to this, yeah. like these, these dingy, dark isolation yeah. cells. One, one thing I, I did some search and one person who alleged they were there said that they released some people that had, one person had been in one of these cells for 14 years. Wow. You know, the police just kidnapped them, blindfolded them, kept them in the dark. Wow. It's like, wow. It's crazy, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, basically, everybody has got dirt on everybody mm-hmm. if you're a decision maker. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, all these intelligence agencies, they put everybody in compromising situations. And evidently, there's very few people that have such high ethics that they're able to avoid those compromising situations, it seems like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's totally... I mean, we know our intelligence agencies have this kind of stuff on our body. I, Mossad I mean, does. All, all of them do. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a great for instance. I can think of four or five, not surprisingly. Yeah. But I'll give you a great for instance. The YKP, which was the, the Greek intelligence agency, mm-hmm. in 19... Uh, in the in the mid in the early 60s they got a computer uh they got the first computer ever to do uh first large mainframe style computer to do intelligence work mm-hmm. uh, because they had 16 tons of information on 16 million citizens and so the united states gave them this computer to keep tabs on everything and the the head of security agency he was so he was so like like and you guys Watch this. Yeah. And he hits this button, and it's you know he's explaining, and what's going to happen now is it's going to it's going to spit out a random file on some somebody that we're keeping an eye on, you know yeah. somebody that might be a potential subversive or an enemy of the state, and he's right. going on and on about how bad the person might be, right. and it spits out a it spits out a document a dossier on a reporter who's actually at the press conference. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, a couple of years later, this guy named uh, Papandreos, mm-hmm. um, uh, he got so mad that the CIA was 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 so in uh, the Greek intelligence committee's firm's mm-hmm. business. He went to he went to he sacked everybody in the YKP, yeah. like the top ten executives. He said, "You're all fired. Get out." You know. Yeah. And so then he hired two reliable people that he could trust and said, "Go." get our intelligence service back. So they went and they came back a week later and they said, we can't. And they said, what do you mean you can't? It's the Greek mm-hmm. intelligence service. And he said, uh, they said, well, the problem is, is we can't even tell where the CIA ends and the YK, YKP mm-hmm. begins. They've given us 100% of our funding, all of our guns and weapons, yeah. everything that we own is theirs. We've all been trained there. It's essentially just an arm of the CIA. So you told us to, you told us to separate from the CIA, and we can't. We, we we just can't. Flat out can't. And the public never sees any of this. I mean, we 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 think yep. we think that these battles between politicians of different countries and certain mm-hmm. maneuverings and what they tell us is the lay of the land and the mm-hmm. nature of the battle. We just accept that that that's real. Mm-hmm. When it's nothing like that. It's sort what's of, underneath it between the intelligence agencies of different groups mm-hmm. and countries we don't even know anything about that are part of these things. Mm-hmm. That's where the real things are going on, and they have to create a reality. It's like mm-hmm. the Matrix. Yeah. They have to create some kind of fake reality for us to think that there's some kind of order or stability. Yeah, it's totally that has totally different players that are puppets. It's totally wacky. After the, um, uh, we could go on. I'll well, I'll, I'll, one one classic example people make of that, as far as the extortion, mm-hmm. is Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover, who was like the number one law enforcement guy in America for 50 years as mm-hmm. head of the FBI, would never admit that the mafia existed. He was like the only American in America that would not admit that mafia existed. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. And then they find out. Now, some people dispute this, but people said that the mob had some compromising pictures of him with a, you know, like cross-dressing and a male associate. I don't know yeah. if that's true or not. Him and Kissinger. Or? But you know, that's a pretty good. Well, he had a he had a co-worker that went with him everywhere and lived with him and you know he he wasn't married he just sort of hung out with this guy but um 
you know, and people say, well, there's an explanation for that and things. But anyway, the thing is, <laughs> there sure is, is that there's <laughs> got to be some answer on why he would refuse to admit the mafia existed. Yeah. And when we wonder why, for example, why do our politicians, if they're so concerned about terrorism, why do they do anything about the border? Mm-hmm. Why do we still have all sorts of unknown people coming across the border, mm-hmm. which if there are terrorists, and if that were really true, they could come through, and that these guys, it would be treasonous for our leaders not to stop them. So then you have to ask yourself, are they really leveling with us about the whole terrorism issue? So anyway, I'm preaching to the choir on future questions. Yeah, but, I know. That's tough. Um, i tell you what I will do on my, my spin here, my kick at the can, is I'm going to read two really quick emails. Normally we do that at the end, but these were related to a recent show. And I thought they were sort of cool, so I'm going to put them up front here, okay? Mm-hmm. This one is from uh, Sonny in Atlantic City, New Jersey, okay? Okay. And Sonny sent an email called Most Recent Show. He says, uh, uh, Dear Doc and Tom, he says, I have to let you know both that while I am always impressed with all your past shows, this week's show, uh, this is this number 252 mm-hmm. we just had, this week's show actually surprised me on how strong it started right off the bat with the Dutro affair and the Franklin cover-up references mm-hmm. into false flag and false Christian wolf and sheep's clothing types like James Wolseley the gang. Mm-hmm. This guy's got the number. He he understands. Yeah, I was gonna. I was yeah. like, holy so, cow! He so he's got this like, down. right to the Dutro affair. Yeah. And he's, yeah. Wow. It's amazing. You get him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing where real information will take someone when one does a little research on their own instead of blindly taking the mainstream media's word for it. And that leads me to my next point. I know how much you all valued having your show on that Christian radio station, but I'm here to tell you that I found you on iTunes by accident. And I've been getting your shows every week ever since, and I've noticed that your shows have gotten much stronger last several shows. It seems to me that you have quietly quietly taken off the gloves and have found a new groove. Me likes it. Keep up the great work, and thank you so much, Sonny. Our future got his groove back. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a cool email. Yeah. I like that, Sonny. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for the word of encouragement, I tell you. I, you know, I have no training in any of this stuff. Neither one of us do it. Although no, you have actual... Shows. You have... You have entertainment skills. I don't have any. Yeah, but, but I have uh, no research or anything skills. I sound like a guy so, wearing a crash helmet to a chess match. Um, but uh, anyway, we, we, we just try the best we can. We really don't know. We're sort of stumbling around in the dark on this stuff. But we sure appreciate the encouragement from you. Why, why we're worth listening to, I still don't understand. But uh, this is Patrick in California. Uh, it says, uh, Dear Dr. Future and Tom, been listening to your podcast for a few years. Now, this one relates to something recently we mentioned here, okay? Mm-hmm. He says, your show from March 11th was the most informative show I have heard. A few weeks ago, you know, and it was what's good about hearing these two emails is that I was afraid I was so muddled that people couldn't even make out what I was saying. Yeah, I know. Like, it was just... I, 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 I probably, always am worried I about I probably that. lost you sitting over there while I was going through all these what? documents. and yeah. <laughs> So anyway, he says, uh, a few weeks ago, after hearing your show on General Boykin, he spoke at our church. My wife and I asked him about the Knights of Malta. He confirmed it. We were dumbfounded. No way. Yeah, they confronted him from what he learned on our show. He says, we go to a large Calvary chapel in Southern California. Uh, both of us have listened to you in the last uh, podcast several times. There was so much information in it that we still find things we missed. I'm a fan of your interview shows, but your new shows with that much information are great. You guys have a great show. Keep up the good work, and you two are a great team. And this is from Brother Patrick, Futurian. Well, 
And uh, I asked him where they went. It was uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hill. So Whoa. be curious to look that up and see General Boykin. Um, Brother Patrick, if you have uh, any more information on what how he responded to it, uh, you may have had all of like two seconds with him, but mm-hmm. with General Boykin. But anything else he said, particularly anything that he said at the church, we'd like to know. Yeah. Uh, because these guys are, they got lots of resources and they never sleep. So, okay. Got something, Tom? Oh, I got so much stuff I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, you need to organize uh, it before we start. It, but it's, you know what I found? is like sometimes our stories, if I sort of leave it, if I just sort of know what's on the plate. Okay. Like you have something and it's like, oh, well, by the way. Well, I've got a strange one next, so. Okay. Uh, anti-government protesters may have been hit with nerve gas, doctors say. Okay. This is um, uh, Yemen. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I, I guess the biggest thing is the fact that these people actually have, you know, what would be considered weapons of mass destruction. They're using them on their own populace, and nobody's said, we got to go get them. Right. Now. Um, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a CDC virus signal signature. Uh, anyway, doctors from the scene of a violent anti-government pro, a violent anti-government protest in Yemen's capital said that what was thought to be tear gas fired by government forces on demonstrators may have been nerve gas, which is forbidden under international law. Military personnel opened fire on Tuesday night and used what was originally assumed to be tear gas to disperse a group of demonstrators who were trying to bring additional tents into the protest area outside Sana University. At least two people were killed in a fresh round of clashes across the country, where anti-regime protests have been raging since late January, um, which I've heard about, like, third-hand, but, mm-hmm. you know, I can't get that on the news. Uh, one protester died of gunshot wounds uh, when police opened fire on student demonstrators near the university. Uh, according to witnesses, the soldiers fired warning shots into the air before shooting gas and, in some cases, live bullets into the crowd. The material in this gas makes people convulse for hours. It paralyzes them. They couldn't move at all. We tried to give them oxygen, but it didn't work and help or help, says Amar Nujaim, uh, a field doctor who works for Islamic Relief. We are seeing symptoms in the patient's nerves, not in their respiratory systems. I am 90, uh, 90% sure it's nerve gas and not tear gas that was used, said Saim Zaid, a doctor at the Science and Technology Hospital. Uh, we have never seen tear gas cause these symptoms, and we fear it may be a dangerous gas that is internationally forbidden, said Al Sheikh, the director of the hospital. Wow. So there, you know, some guy that's, there he is, you know, using nerve gas right on his own own people, students. It's not even not even violent, um, you know, extremists or They would do insurgents. anything. You know. Of course, how can we throw stones when we've got people like... Uh, um. Oh, what what was his name? Um, Patton, General Patton, who went and was firing on our own veterans mm-hmm. uh, there in the streets of Washington D.C. and shooting bullets. Remember that? Remember that uh, article I read from a paper he gave at the I think it was the Air War College or one of the yeah. war colleges. Yeah. Where he was talking about how you have to sort of teach them lessons by dropping a few dead ones in the streets. Yeah, and yeah, if you're going to shoot, make sure you do a good job or whatever. Basically it was. invoking terror. Yeah. Yeah. When he he chased them with bayonets, of course, uh, uh, MacArthur was the one all for that mm-hmm. and having him continue to go forward and attacking them. So, um, 
I assume that's just the beginning. We're going to see worse with that. Well, it's just the whole thing where it's like this was a page 52 story yeah. back in the back, and here's the guy. You know, here here it is. You know, independent sources who are doctors can basically confirming it. Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody says boo about now, it. Now, when you watch the guys who are the the CFR Council on Foreign Relations globalist types, like um, I can't remember that na- lady's name, Kit something that they have on uh, Fox News, and several of them that used to work with Kissinger. When you get these kind of people coming on, they're always about you know keeping the status quo, and we've got to protect the status quo guys and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They don't worry too much about people doing this kind of stuff to their people. Yeah, it's no. all about keeping a balance of power for the United States. Mm-hmm. Strategy of tension, writ big. So there's no there's no accountability to God that we have for our part in helping promote this kind of stuff. Yeah, well I'll tell you, man, uh, the strategy of tension actually came. It comes up in my in my yeah. talk, and um, well I, I could get into it, but why would I be surprised? It's Your so talk good, has everything man. in the kitchen sink in it. <laughs> it's, it's actually got pictures uh, of the moon landing, Elvis, yeah, uh, and the um, uh, not surprised, and and Zsa Zsa Gabor all meeting. Oh yeah, at a at a hotel in uh, Anthraxistan. Well, we'll bust that store wide open. It's a big Here, one. Here's one a little different to cleanse the palate. Here. All right, hit me. Orthodox Jewish prayer ritual spooks Alaska Airlines flight attendants. Oh yeah, I heard about this. Cockpit. Sort of goofy. This is from the New York Daily News. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alaska airline officials said flight attendants and passengers became alarmed and locked down the cockpit after three Orthodox Jewish men began a prayer ritual on a flight from Mexico to Los Angeles. The men were using the uh, tefillin, that's the best way I know how to pronounce it, uh, small sets of leather straps and boxes containing verses from the Torah used during morning prayers. Now that's something that's actually in... Uh, a major part for a book for Tom Horn. I wrote. Mm-hmm. I talk about them. Uh, they put them on their hand and their forehead. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, spirit portal locations mm-hmm. for uh, they're using God's word to provide some protection during prayer when they're opening up those portals. Um, anyway, uh, flight attendants on the Alaska Airlines flight to Los Angeles on Sunday interpreted an elaborate prayer ritual by Orthodox Jewish men on board as a security threat and locked down the cockpit, airline officials said. Police, FBI, and customs agents swarmed the plane when it landed in Los Angeles International Airport at 8.30, and the three men were escorted off after it was reported that passengers were acting rowdy and a fight had broken out. In fact, the disturbance was the farthest thing from a fight. The men were praying. We've since learned from law enforcement. That's some serious prayer. Yeah. It's like, it looks like a fight. Well, maybe they were like struggling in prayer. How the people say, like, the guy struggled with God all night in prayer. Yeah. You know. And all I got was this messed up hip. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's Jacob's testimony. We've yeah. since learned from law enforcement that the passengers on board were practicing a traditional Orthodox Jew, Jew ritual called tefillin. Uh, the Alaska spokesperson, Bobby Egan, told the Los Angeles Daily News. The ritual involves strapping leather ribbons and small wooden boxes with the verses of the Torah item to the body while saying morning prayers. A flight attendant became spooked when she saw the men wrapping the straps to their foreheads and arms and praying loudly in Hebrew, and she instructed the crew to lock down the cockpit, Egan said. The FBI questioned the three men, described as Mexican nationals, so they were Mexican Orthodox Jews. Well, you know... Before, I'm almost done, releasing them to make connecting flights to other countries... FBI spokesman Laura I. Miller told the L.A. Daily News they were not charged. The flight was traveling from Mexico City. Other passengers were not delayed. 
Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. What do you What do you make of all that? Well, the reason why I read that article was that this is the level of paranoia that we've gotten to on religious paranoia. Yeah. The whole reason people are worked up is because everybody's scared to death of Muslim people, mm-hmm. imams. You know, they would make those loud noises when they would pray on airplanes, and people was like, oh, they're getting ready to blow up the airplane. And so now it's gone so far as now Orthodox Jews are being treated that way. Yeah, well, I had a... I know a tombionic prayer with somebody one day is going to end up hit with him in the pokey somewhere. That's fine. Or, or you know, sitting and praying and raising your hands in prayer. But th- th- this is a sign that society is slowly going mad. Is when we start, you know, totally. going after this kind of stuff. Totally. One of the things, though, you know, that that really buoys me is some of the reading I've been doing recently on um, uh, on uh, uh, like early church people, early yeah. church fathers, and all that stuff. Um, one of those, one of the things, it's it's just like it's awesome to see how fired up that the early early believers were. It's like we're pretty much going to try and change the world. You know, yeah. Uh, their whole perspective was 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 that. Um, I recently read something that I actually posted on Facebook, um, where somebody said, uh, and I'm trying to trying to trying to commit it, trying to re rebring mm-hmm. it back from my memory. But basically, the whole point was, um, you know, as Christians, uh, you know, we're expected. Uh, God likes it when we stand up to the executioner's sword and loudly preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. When we're thrown in prison and, and uh, we give way to no to no man to no thing except for God. Uh, when we lay our lives down, um, and the only person we yield to is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, when we're thrown in prison, when we're hurt, mm-hmm. when we're destroyed, for His sake, uh, and all these things, God is pleased. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if that's where we're going, I guess that's where we're going. All right. You all know? Right. Here we right. go. <laughs> but, you know, I hate for the Christians themselves to help contribute to an atmosphere that accelerates mm-hmm. that. And that's what I think is going on. Do you have a story for us? I do. Would you like to hear about the legislature, uh, the Utah legislature backing gold as legal tender? No. No? No, I'm kidding. Okay. I, I do. <laughs> All right. It's like, okay. i got plenty of other Everybody stories. Everybody going, oh, okay. Yeah. Just give us your best story, so okay. I'll lay that one on. Okay. This is via the Utah News, okay. the Salt Lake City Tribune. SL, SLTrib.com. Okay. The Senate gave final, gave final approval Thursday to a bill taking a first step to recognize gold and silver as legal, as legal tender in the state. Um, it voted 16 to 7 to pass HB 317 and sent it to Gary, uh, Governor Gary Herbert uh, for a signature. The measure would recognize as legal tender gold and silver coins issued by the federal government, not just their face value, but also their value in gold and silver or to a collector. Um, so, coins that are. <coughs> Why does this always happen when I? I don't know. You, you must you must hate trying to have to edit my stuff. That's yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so the basic thing is, it's any gold or silver coin. It's not just mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, U.S. debt. Uh, it would not require anyone to accept them, however, but make it an option. Uh, It also would exempt sales of such coins from capital gains tax. Hmm. That's interesting. It would also order the state to study whether Utah should establish an alternative form of legal tender, such as one backed by silver silver and gold. Wow, so Utah Mm -hmm. is going to put its own money out there. It will put some pressure on the federal government. 
that's the goal here because right now we have a dollar that's just running away with inflation. Our hope is that there's a little bit of shock uh, that'll say we want to deal with inflation. Senate Majority Leader Scott Jenkins from Plain City, uh, Senate sponsor of the bill, said in an earlier debate, <laughs> he gave senators cold chocolate coins on Thursday before, before the debate. And I thought that was funny. Hmm. Um, at any rate, this is a step in preparedness, says Brad Gal- uh, Galvez, a step in security that allows us to be able to help hold our, up our economy as the dollar continues to shrink. So here they are trying to force. It's interesting. You know, New Hampshire mm-hmm. tried that, and I think Vermont tried to do that hmm. in the last four or five years and met with some limited success. Um, Edwin Vieira, interestingly, he tried mm-hmm. to put together right. a program. I remember that. Yeah, for, for those folks. So yeah. it would be interesting to see where that one goes. Yeah. Did I hear this right? Will they accept payment to the state? Uh, you know, I I don't know. They said, here here's what it says. The Senate gave final approval, and it's going to yeah. Governor Herbert's uh, uh, desk for signature. The measure would recognize as legal tender gold and silver coins issued by the federal government, not just their face value, but also their value in gold and silver. Hmm. Uh, uh, it would not require anyone to accept them, but make it an option. It would also mm. exempt sales of such coins from capital gains tax. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. Well, we're going to see more of that, particularly from out west. I think going to lead the way. Montana and mm-hmm. Idaho, Utah. I'm surprised Utah did that first. Yeah. But uh, interesting. Well, um, I have one from Israel. This is from Ynet News, a common source of news there in Israel. It said prepare for holy wars. Um, this was from the 8th of uh, March. It says, uh, this is an opinion one. Pope's exoneration of Jews may be significant in world shifting toward religious wars. They say, on the margins of the dramatic events worldwide, we saw a small, seemingly insignificant news story about the Pope exonerating the Jews of killing Jesus. He was able, he had the authority to wipe that out. Mm-hmm. On the face of it, this is a rather unspectacular story in the midst of the Middle East storm with regimes collapsing and the world changing right before our eyes. The preoccupation with who's at fault for the death of Jesus appears archaic, academic, and detached. Nonetheless, this headline is especially significant precisely at this time. The formation of Islam in the 7th century changed the world to a situation where two major religions exist, Christianity and Islam. Judaism remained a small religion in terms of numbers, but nonetheless important and central for other faiths too, as in their view, it was their source and root. Um, um, by, by the way, they had a little note here from the Anti-Defamation League that commented on this. Mm-hmm. They said that the Pope's acquittal of Jews was historic, and that by exonerating Jews on the death of Jesus, Benedict the Sixteenth is moving ahead with implementing the second phase of Vatican II. Anti-Defamation League says in special statement. Well, you know, they took... So that's interesting that it was actually part of Vatican II, some kind of long-range plan to do this. I didn't know that. That, That's really interesting. I did find out recently that about 1970 or so, I might have the date wrong. I might have been a little bit earlier than that, but they had a a part in one of their their ritualized sort of prayers that they all said together where they Mm -hmm. prayed for everybody, and then they prayed for the Jews to turn to Jesus. Yeah. And that got... Snipped out, which which that part I like. Yeah, but the fact is, people who are very suspicious of Rome and the Vatican, and rightly so, mm-hmm. for their long range plan and what they're doing, 
it appears to me uh, that what they're trying to do is to get rid of roadblocks for people to come back to Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these kind of things where they all can come under the mothership back then. And so, mm-hmm. like, they have changed the status of Protestants where Protestants can come home to the mother church mm-hmm. and be what they are as now, long as you, your allegiance goes back there. Yeah. Now, if, they got rid of the, if they've got rid of the Pope and they got rid of sort of the hierarchy... And if they only did biblical theology mm-hmm. and the Marianist thing, and the Marianist and purgatory, thing and, and purgatory, and uh, salvation by works, yeah, salvation by works, yeah. then I might consider it. Other than okay. that, you know, okay, pretty much out. Okay, then well, the whole hey, that's a, maybe that's part of Vatican too. <laughs> They'll get on that. The whole, and, and the whole New World it. Order, Knights of Malta. Well, connection. that's true too. Okay, uh, continuing, it says the world at the time was made up of religious frameworks to a greater extent than national and political ones. Identity and belonging were mostly religious rather than geographic and territorial. This is from a Jewish paper, okay? Mm -hmm. The global discourse was religious, and so was the tension. The wars were holy wars. Mm -hmm. Much has happened since then, and Jewish blood was spilled in Europe and elsewhere in the world. Some 1,300 years have passed since Islam emergence, and the world has shifted to political and national entities. However, global events in recent years that pertain to Islam and the Muslim states are taking us back in many ways to the Middle Ages, which this is what I have sort of worried about, is this bringing us to a holy war and what our part is in it. Mm -hmm. It says, the struggle against Israel and Judaism is not just a political one. When listening to Ahmadinejad and Nasrallah talk about the Jews, the Americans, and the infidels, and when we hear the words of Islamic elements ranging from the Muslim Brotherhood to Turkey's leaders and speeches at Cairo's Tahrir Square, it is not hard to identify Islam's takeover of political frameworks. This is not just a political dispute over territorial refugee rights. What we have here is a deep religious war between Judaism and Islam, with political arguments only constitu- uh, co- constituting the outer layer of this religious war. That's interesting. Yeah, Islam's hate for Judaism is in some ways different than its hate for Christianity, yet similar in other ways. Um, Mm. Well, it, a lot I want to say there, but I'll, okay. I'll, I don't want to. Okay, well, we'll, we'll comment on it. Okay, yeah. yeah. In Islam's view, both Jews and Christians are infidels and deserve the same fate. For some two thousand years, Judaism offered Christianity's hatred, uh, suffered Christianity's hatred, which was premised on perceived Jewish guilt for Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. Over the years, anti-Semitism of different types stemmed from this libel, and so Judaism found itself facing Christian and Muslim waves of hatred that are not connected by anything with uh, the exception of the hatred-loathing toward Jews and Judaism. Mm. Now, here's a, uh, se- a segment he calls New World Order. Islam has a clear mission, which it doesn't try to hide, to take over the world. Europe is being conquered one step after another. London, Paris, Munich. Everybody talks about pop music. I'm sorry. That's an old 80s song on MTV. <laughs> they had that same line in there. London, Paris, Munich. Everybody talk about pop music. You know what I'm talking about? No. Sorry. Anyway, as they said, London, Paris, Munich, and many other European citizens are starting to look like the uh, Kasbah in Nablus. Precisely at this time, the Pope's word are significant. Billions view him as an authority. While 2,000 years of hatred do not disappear as a result of one statement, and while we don't need a kosher certificate from the Pope, his words are significant for the billions of his faithful. The New World Order, taking shape right now under the auspices of Iran's big brother, uh, in the squares of Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, Yemen, and Bahrain, may be taking the globe back to religious wars. 
the Muslim world in the East and in Africa against the Christian world in Europe and in the United States. The Jews, as usual, are caught in the middle. They get hit by both sides. Hence, precisely at this time when the world is resorting to religious and cultural wars, Mm -hmm. democracy versus monarchy and freedom versus coercion, the Pope's words carry theological and political importance. Some 2,000 years of pogroms, inquisition, and blood libels were fed by this libel. Uh, The Pope is now correcting the historic injustice some 2,000 years late. In the long run, the assertion made by the Pope may be proven meaningless and evaporate, yet the opposite is also possible. At the end of the day, with the Muslim world reaching boiling point and reality quickly changing its face, the Pope's statement may have greater importance uh, than what it appears to have right now in the framework of the political, diplomatic, and religious processes undergone by the world. So, it's a little bit more of a heady philosophical thing, but it's interesting that they're acknowledging there that basically we're in an age of holy wars. Horrible. And it's what they're ridiculous. thinking is, is that this is strategic, what the Pope is doing. I'm assuming, I, I don't know how it would help the Christians' cause if they're just looking for war partners. I mean, with that you get Israel and not much else. But uh, it's, I, I guess they're say, saying that they're allying with Israel to show that they're ready to go take war against Islam. I don't know. But during the regular Crusades, I think, didn't the Christians massacre a bunch of Jews too? Yeah. When they went into Jerusalem, mm-hmm. well, if I'm they wrong, correct everybody. me. Or other people correct me, but I know. Um, um, but we, that, that's just a recurring theme. I'm finding yeah. that this is on the horizon. I want to. I want to read something here that I, I I posted recently. I just I referred to it earlier, uh, and I think it really puts into perspective this whole idea of really like we need to grab the reins of political power. Um, is that is, your official position? No. Okay. That is my official position. Is the opposite. Okay. Uh, this is this is written from a guy named uh, Minicius Felix, who was a early Christian uh, pre-Nicene era writer. Okay. He said, uh, "It's a beautiful thing to God when a Christian does battle with pain, when he faces threats, punishments, and tortures by mocking death and treading underfoot the horror of the executioner, when he raises up his freedom in Christ as a standard before kings and princes." When he yields to God alone, and triumphant and victorious, he tramples upon the very man who has pronounced the sentence upon him. God finds all these things beautiful. Hmm. It's like, wow, the way that you win is in the midst of pain, you declare Christ's victory. You don't Mm -hmm. run them over with a tank and shoot them in the head. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, he he goes on here and a little bit later. What about writing some laws against the other people? Would that... He, be qualified he, he, in he that. strangely doesn't mention that either. Okay. Um, here's another here's another uh, quote later on, later on in the book. How many of our people have borne that not their right hand only, but their whole body should be burned without any cries of pain? Do I compare men with your Roman heroes? He's writing to some mm-hmm. Romans. Uh, boys and young women among us treat with contempt crosses and tortures, wild beasts, and all the bugbears of punishment with the inspired patience of suffering because it makes us, well, and he goes on. And it's mm. like, just so powerful, man. Wow. And, you know, that's how these people conquered the yeah. world. You want to conquer the world, you go out there and start telling people about Jesus. I don't know if I, that would start, be. Start, like, loving them, you know. If that would be as inspirational as what I might read in WorldNet Daily because they got a lot of dirt on Obama. <laughs> Uh, Polycarp. Liberals and stuff. <laughs> Here's another quote I have. Polycarp, you know, they, uh, according to one source of Polycarp's martyrdom, they were asking him, like, leading questions, you know, like, yeah. were you at such and such a place? And he finally says, 
Since you keep wasting your time urging me on and pretend not to know who and what I am, listen yeah. to me, announce with boldness, I am a Christian. But if you want to learn what the doctrines of Christianity are, appoint me a day and you shall hear them. <laughs> you know, it's like... Cut to the chase. Well, yeah. he was an old man, you know? Yeah. He'd run the race. He'd been fit. Now, he actually supposedly was a disciple or student of John. Yeah, right? he knew John personally, supposedly. Yeah. was one yeah. of his closest confidants. That's amazing. Yeah. He says, uh, the proconsul said, I have wild beasts at hand. I will throw you to them if you don't repent. And... uh he says, "Call them then. We're not you. We're not used to repenting of what is good in order to adopt what is evil." <laughs> He's like standing yeah. up in church doing it, man. Yeah. If you won't repent, I'll have you burned with fire, since you have no regard for the wild beasts. Uh, and then he says, "You threaten me with fire that burns for an hour, then goes out after a little while. You're ignorant, however, of the fire of the fire of the coming judgment and of the eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. What are you waiting for? Bring out whatever you want." And He's like, he's like, you know, the equivalent of like in mm -hmm. the big court building there of, you know, yeah. like downtown Nashville or something saying this stuff to the guy who runs the whole show. Wouldn't it be neat if we took a break on Christian radio from, from the latest warfighter from wherever and talking about how great they are, which, you know, many of them are good folks, but they'll talk about Polycarp of what it means to be a great warrior. Mm -hmm. He was a great warrior for the Lord in the truest sense. Yeah. yeah. One of the interesting things that I've noticed, um, in the middle of the second century, there were numerous letters written to various, uh, you know, we tend to think of, I don't know how we got on this, but it's important. You got us on. Yeah. It, it, it was me. That's I, how it I happened. accept full responsibility. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the second century, well, you know, like persecution, we tend to think of it like the, the there was an edict and then the whole Roman Empire went into persecution like... Mm -hmm. Like that, and really, it was like this place, this county had a lot of persecution, and this yeah. state had some for a while, and different things like that. Uh, but what's interesting is that I've just come about recently is that in the middle of the second century, there were numerous letters that we still have copies of, at least partial copies of, uh, that were written in defense of Christians, and none of them appealed to doctrinal things or mm -hmm. anything. In fact, some of them said, "Look, it's a weird superstition." Uh, but they they appealed to the lives that these incredible yeah. people lived. They said, yeah. "But you don't understand how much they love one another, how yeah. much they love other people. You know how they go about in doing others." I wish I had some quotes on that, but mm. um, wow, you know that's like the exact opposite of of yeah. you know most of what we see today. Yeah, it's just wow. Certainly now now what is glorified in the mm -hmm. main Christian media. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, any story for us? Anything else to share? As if that wasn't enough. Um. <laughs> if not, I'll proceed. So. Okay. I do have one. Army recruits prisoners to make body armor. Okay. That's nice. Um, that's, really not the, that's really not the most interesting part of the story, by the way. Okay. Building parts for Patriot missile systems was just a warm-up, apparently, for a government-owned company... Uh, that relies on federal inmates making as little as 23 cents an hour. On Wednesday, the U.S. Army announced that it handed federal prison industries a no-bid, nearly $20 million contract to build body armor. It's, latest, it, it's, it's the latest in a decades-long string of military deals for FPI, also known as Unicor. Over the years, the, the company has supplied parts for the F-16 and F-15 fighter jets, the Cobra attack helicopter, and the iconic Patriot interceptor system. But this deal is particularly odd because FBI's track record with protective equipment is 
to put it very generously, uneven. In May of last year, the Army recalled 44,000 FBI-made protective helmets after they failed basic ballistic testing. The FBI then promptly got out of the helmet business. Uh, that rather serious blemish on FBI's record hasn't stopped the Army from going back to the firm for uh, nearly $20 million worth of bulletproof outer tactical vests. According to the Army's contract announcement, the gear is supposed to be, quote, for Pakistan, presumably for the Pakistani Army. Um, although Isn't this weird? This could be for, like, law enforcement and peace and stuff being built by people who may have shot cops mm-hmm. in jail. Yeah, it's totally weird. And the fact that it very well may fail mm-hmm. basic ballistic testing right. again. So there's people running around, you know. It's, right. It's like, who had the last laugh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, the Nazis had the same problem at Pinamundo when they had the, the Jewish slaves making the uh, mm-hmm. V-2 rockets. Yep. They kept finding all sorts of like, little defects. Of course, if they caught them, they'd go hang them all. Yep. If they found them putting a defect in the missiles. Well, you know, that's one of the things, one of the several businesses that uh, Schindler, Oscar Schindler, was, right. in, was making bullets. Right. And they, he, kept, and he was terrible you know, at it, wasn't he? They all kept messing caliber, up. Out of caliber, yeah. Startup problems, everybody. I don't, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Just yeah. Send them back. We'll make them better. Just send me another payment. Yeah. Give me a little advance on the right. money. Um the vest making will be done at the Federal Correctional Facility in Yazoo City, Mississippi, one of 70 prisons yeah. where inmates make anywhere from 23 to $1.15 an hour, building everything from clothing to office furniture to solar panels to military electronics. And you know what's interesting is that our nation has the largest number of prisoners in the world. Mm-hmm. So we have a ready working supply of people making a dollar or so an hour. Mm-hmm. It works out good for the government on also many levels. Mm-hmm. It does. Well, that's why uh, we need more drug laws so we can basically <laughs> lock up everybody. There were so many ways I was going to try and answer that, but I was like, "What's the best way?" Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the best way is to read read the next couple of sentences. Okay. Um, exactly which military electronics FPI's nearly twenty thousand prisoners uh, build is a matter of some dispute. However, according to FBI's website, the company supplies. Numerous electronic components and services for guided missiles, including the Patriot Advanced Capability, that's the PAC-3 missile. A spokesman for Lockheed Martin, which assembles the missiles, calls that completely false, and that's, he's quoted there, and insists in an email to Danger Room, uh, which is where this came, Wired.com, that at no time were parts from Unicor ever used in the PAC-3. The spokesman, Craig Van Beber, Instead, says as Unicor's components are only used in a larger Patriot system, like the ignition and control units, which ensure that the missiles are actually launched into the sky. Oh, I, yeah. It makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that larger system is put together by a separate defense contractor, Raytheon. The missiles themselves are free of prison labor, Van Beber asserts. Hmm. How odd. But Eric Pipert, who sells FPI electronics to the government, insists that the company is very much involved in missile making. We're not making anything up, he tells Danger Room. We're make, we make wiring harnesses for the military, this being one of them, the Patriot Missile. The protective clothing business appears to be an equally integral part of FBI's inmate-reliant business. The company websites advertises five different models of body armor on sale between $170 and $325 each. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, can I get back on my kick now? Um, wow, I'm sort here's of a, another one I just noticed. Patriot missile found in Tampa junkyard. 
Wow. Throwing those things but you everywhere. Need to, you need the launcher, though, that make it really good, you know. Let's get that on eBay. Um, Gaffney wants Muslims practicing Sharia prosecuted for sedition. Okay, this is on Right Wing Watch. Um, appearing on the television program Act for America, Frank mm-hmm. Gaffney. Now, Frank Gaffney was a distinguished, well, is known as a reputation as a distinguished uh, government official, high level mm-hmm. presidential cabinet guy. Walk. Yeah, Department of Defense guy. Uh, he, they still have him on Fox News and other places as mm-hmm. being sort of this high-level commentator mm-hmm. on foreign policy. Okay, he's on there. Frank Gaffney, and by the way, Frank Gaffney is the one we referred to last week at being at the conference with the um, with the CIA spook, uh, James Woolsey, there at the National oh, Religious Broadcasters yeah. Conference. They were the ones getting them all riled up to go start a holy war. Um it says on this television program, Act for America, Frank Gaffney called on the U.S. to arrest and prosecute anyone for practicing Sharia law, the legal code of Islam. Uh, Gaffney of the far-right Center for Security Policy previously uh, suggested that President Obama is a secret Muslim and that radical Muslims are engineering a takeover of the conservative movement. Okay? This, hmm. uh, this is guy again. He's former Defense Department, like Assistant Secretary. The Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, refused to give Gaffney a platform because they didn't want to be associated with a crazy bigot, according to CPAC organizers. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, speaking to Act for America's leader, Brigitte Gabriel, who believes Obama is a Muslim uh, backed by terrorist groups uh, and demanded that colleges ban the Muslim Students Association, Gaffney said that anyone who practiced Sharia should be prosecuted for sedition. Uh, again, this is, uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess it's because they don't believe it's a religion. Uh, hmm. And here's a little excerpt from their discussion. Gabrielle says, but a lot of people say that Sharia law is a religious practice, and maybe it should be protected by the First Amendment. Can you please tell us, is it compatible with the Constitution? Should it be protected by the First Amendment as a religious practice? Gaffney says, it is the law of the land in Saudi Arabia and Iran, and anyone who thinks that life is uh, is uh, like in any of those two countries is the same as life in America. Obviously, doesn't not, doesn't uh, should be know anything about Saudi Arabia or Iran. In fact, it is absolutely antithetical. I don't think she he really answered her question about. No, it, he but, said he said but, I'm going to. But the First Amendment, and then really he didn't answer. answer he just my said my own thing by he, saying inflammatory statements. He just said it's not nice over there, which which he's right. It's not nice over there. No, it's horrible. Um. Sharia is, to our Constitution and the uh, pursuit of it, you said in your comment, is incompatible with the Constitution's Article 6. And therefore, being a protected religious practice, it is an impermissible act of sedition, which has to be prosecuted under our Constitution. Uh, what's it sedition of? I mean, what's, what's it, uh. It sounds like the, sounds like the thing where we need to make laws to, to get Julian well, Assange. If it breaks a specific law, then you go prosecute it. In other words, yeah. if they're doing something that's not, isn't that how our country is supposed to work? It's supposed to. Let's if you get, find out that somebody's breaking a specific yeah. law, you go convict them on that specific law. Not just the fact that somebody in their innate state or philosophy is against mm-hmm. the Constitution. Gaffney isn't the first right-wing leader to say that Muslims shouldn't be given constitutional protections. And his comments echo a push in state legislatures uh, to ban the non-existent use of Sharia law in courts and an effort in Tennessee to criminalize the practice of Sharia. And we're always leaders here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, 
As Antisar Rob of Boston College Law School notes, the Tennessee bill could make it a felony for Muslims to perform everyday religious practices like praying, giving to charity, or fasting because then they would be def- banned, defined as banned Sharia practices. So hopefully they could at least stop those kind of things like the praying and giving to charity and fasting. We wouldn't want that just running rampant no. and a threat to the country that it, it would sort be. Of, it sort of gets in the way of giving to like military yeah. causes. I know what they're implying over. here. We hear a story every once in a while where you'll find some man here whose daughter is <coughs> dating some other person, so he'll go run her down with a car, and he'll say it was an honor killing. And what I usually see is those people are locked up, and they're judged. You know, they go to trial, and they're, they're locked up which is what I thought we were supposed to do when people do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody breaks a law, then you go convict them of that law. This is sort of like pre-crime. Before anybody does anything yet that has harmed someone and deprived them of their rights in the Constitution, ahead of time, we're going to say that they are not patriots to America. Mm-hmm. Sort of a pre-crime kind of activity, the way I see it. And you know what's interesting? Because these same arguments were used about Jews in Germany. Because they said that the Jews had their own kind of ways of doing business and their own, you know, structures on how they did things. And that was part of why they were so dangerous to the rest of Germany. So I see the same thing sort of coming back That's again. A very if you, interesting point. If yeah. you remember that the Jews had their own, you know, they dealt their own business. Yeah. Remember they had their own like little uh, economic and legal kind of thing and everybody hated them for it. Mm-hmm. Um, can I share a little bit more about Follow on with some of the things. Sure, I'll just throw out a I'll just throw out a quick definition here. Okay. Strategy of tension. It's a theory that describes how world powers divide, manipulate, and control public opinion using fear, propaganda, disinformation, psychological warfare, agent provocateurs, and false flag terrorist actions. The theory actually began with the allegations of U.S. support for the Greek military junta in 1967 and 1974, but is more likely, but is more often used to describe the strategy of tension that that uh, began in Italy in 1969 uh, to okay. 1984. All right. Strategy of tension. All right. Thanks. Um, okay. We mentioned in here about the CPAC organization, which has mm-hmm. been getting a lot of flack. It's sort of splitting the conservative movement in America. Um, and and part of this related to a reference in this article, it's, uh, uh, this next story uh, playing on it says, Right-wing boycott movement leaks CPAC to Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, so the mm-hmm. conservative political action committee has now been connected to the Muslim Brotherhood, according to these people. Okay, mm-hmm. which I find interesting because Glenn Beck has been saying that the Muslim Brotherhood is in the pockets of the left, mm-hmm. of the liberals like George Soros and these kind of guys. Strategy of tension. Strategy now of they tension. know it's the right. It's so. just slightly more sophisticated. Instead of Italians, it's, yeah, you know... Used to say these people were connected to communists. Now this is yeah, the thing. Yeah, now it's they're Muslims. Yeah, incensed over the participation <laughs> of the conservative gay rights group GOP Proud in the Conservative Political Action Conference or CPAC, far right activists are now trying to connect. See, they they didn't get enough mileage with that. You know, they were they were sort of bummed about it. it you know, split I saw the conservative them. movement. Yeah. Because you had people like uh, it's, it all comes uh, down what, to what's her name. When uh, in doubt, just blame it on terrorists. Connected yeah. to somehow to terrorists. I yeah. saw somebody. Well, you, you you know, that's almost become like the N-word of the right. Yeah. Or, or racist or something like that. That's uh-huh. what the left would say, you know, about people. Mm-hmm. This is now something, you, you call them this, that's the ultimate slam from the right. You're a terrorist. That you, that you yeah. can get. You know? Well, they, they were, I, I saw a news report, maybe you did too recently, where they were saying the... The sort of meltdown events of 2008 of the uh, of the mm-hmm. of the economy were actually 
actually done by terrorists. Yeah. And and that lasted about 48 hours, and then it disappeared. So, yeah. Like, nobody bought it, I think, is the thing. Well, and they just had to imprint that in our mind, that yeah. that is it the ultimate. It was ulti- terrorists. It the, wasn't the ultimate Lehman source Brothers of or all AIG. Evil. It was terrorists. And a generation ago, communists yeah. were blamed for all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it says here, um, <clears throat> the American Conservative Union, ACU, which hosts CPAC, has been the target of religious right groups and leaders over their handling of Geo Proud's involvement, with Joseph Farah even calling for conservatives to purge the ACU from the movement. Already, the Family Research Council, Concerned Women for America, American Values, and the American Principles Project, Capital Research Center, Center for Military Readiness, Liberty Council, Liberty University, which is something, you know, a Christian university, this should be the main thing they're involved in, mm-hmm. um, and the National Organization for Marriage have announced their boycott of CPAC. Now, the conservative news site WorldNet Daily, a major WorldNet Daily, a major cheerleader for the group's boycotting CPAC, is giving right-wing activist Frank Gaffney a platform to charge the ACU with ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, a radical Islamic group. Gaffney is no stranger to conspiracy theories, as he previously claimed that the repeal of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" amounts to a vote for reinstating the draft and maintain that Supreme Court Justice Alina Kagan is tied to an ominous campaign to bring Sharia to America. Uh, did you know that? That Kagan was, that was her plan was to bring Sharia to America. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna start. Do you ever get the sense like, if I ever said this stuff in public, people, you know, there's like. There are churches lined up to bring these people in. And paying them big money to I come know, in. I, I know. And they're already getting big salaries anyway from unknown people we don't know, except know. for Knights of Malta when we find out that they step <clears throat> up. Well. Um, anyway, he is joined by, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I, well, yeah, I mean, I know that they make lots of money, but, you know, I never see anybody in the Bible going, wow, I serve God and I sure made a lot of money. You know well, what I mean? It's like the prophets were like, you know what's cool about being a prophet? Yeah. All the cash that I have. Uh-huh, yeah. You know? Elijah, he made that pretty good. Yeah. He got fed by uh, ravens, didn't mm-hmm. he? That was how he yeah. got by. That, I'm tired that, of eating this food. It tastes good, but it's got raven spit wonder, on it. Wonder if he, you know? I wonder if he reported those donors. You think he listed that? It listed in his tax donor list. Raven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says uh, he is joined by World Nets Daily Paul Sperry, who wrote a book asserting that radical Muslims, Muslims were inf- infiltrating the government through congressional internment programs or in- internship programs. Uh, Gaffney outlines a theory that since the ACU is allowing the leader of an organization known as Muslims for America, a conservative group with ties to the GOP, okay, Muslims for America has a GOP connection, okay, mm-hmm. to participate in CPAC, the ACU is supporting a stealthy effort to bring Sharia to America. Man, there is like so many people bringing Sharia to America. Have you realized all of the massive groups that we've gotten? It's like Sharia, it's the Sharia thing. Next, I know. It'll and be everybody the, it'll everybody be the, thinks Sharia's coming. It's like, yeah. spell Sharia. I even read, I even be read the, an article that's saying... The, ro- saying the that Rotary Club will be next to be accused of bringing Sharia in. <clears throat> yeah, I even read an article that's saying that uh, these secret Muslim organizations were secretly planting good, upstanding, hardworking Muslims in the inner cities mm. and stuff to make uh, to make us all lull us into a... Mm. Uh, was this a joke? Yeah, it was actually on the onion. That was going to okay. be the punchline. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of truth when they joke like that because yeah, sure, that's there, that's the whole reason. It's I satirical it up, commentary you know. on where things are going. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, it says uh, he's also outraged at Grover Norquist, head of the high inf- highly influential Americans for Tax Reform and a GOP proud board member, is involved in CPAC as well. 
but mostly Gaffney directs his vitriol at Suhail Khan, the chairman for the Conservative Inclusion Coalition. Both Khan and Norquist are ACU board members, and in 2009, Khan received the Young Conservative Coalition's Buckley Award at CPAC. Now, that was from, you know, uh, William F. Buckley Award mm-hmm. yeah, to him that, that he's Buckley. after, you know. Um, so, uh, uh, but according to Gaffney, Khan has tasked a radical Islamist, and along with Norquist, wants to promote a seditious totalitarian political program in the U.S. Hmm. Okay? Odd. Um it says, uh, Frank Gaffney, a leader of the conservative movement for the last 30 years, charges that CPAC has come under the influence of Muslim Brotherhood, which is working to bring America under Saudi-style Sharia law. Gaffney, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense under Ronald Reagan, is founder and president of the Center for Security Policy and co-author of the new book, Sharia, the Threat to America. Now, I think that may be the one written by, I forgot to check this before the show, the one written by the head of the... Um, uh, Knights of Malta. Great. I need to check, but that's it may what we be need it. is more Knights of Malta. Uh, I could be wrong on that. He told WorldNet Daily that Islamism has infiltrated the American Conservative U- uh, Union, host of CPAC, in the person of Washington attorney and political activist Suhail Khan and a group of Muslims for America. Khan is a member of the ACU board, and according to Muslims for America, will assist in the group's presence at CPAC. Um, and he says he, uh, let's see, Paul Sperry, author of Infiltration, How Muslim Spies and Submersive Have Penetrated in Washington and Muslim Mafia Inside the Secret Underworld That's Conspiring to Islamize America, says Khan is running an influence operation on Capitol Hill that's quite sophisticated and slick. Uh, uh, Suhail is the firstborn son of the late uh, Mahbub Khan, a founding father of the Muslim Brotherhood Movement in America, said Sperry, a Hoover institution. Uh, media fellow. Suhail has been consultant to CARE and has served on committees as, at ISNA, the Islamic Society of North America, both of which the government says are fronts for Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, so I, I, I think you got this, uh, this thing here. He says, this is a ticking time bomb for the conservative community, said Gaffney. Using language reminiscent of the Cold War, Gaffney declared, an influence operation is contributing materially to the defeat of our country, supporting a stealthy effort to bring Sharia here. Grover Norquist is credentialing the perpetrators of this Muslim Brotherhood influence operation. This is part of a trade craft to get people to have standing in a community, to give it to people who lack it so they can do what they're assigned to do in terms of subversion. We are in a war, and he has been working with the enemy for over a decade. Now, does he talk about the war on terror, or is this the holy war? Okay. Um, because if it's a war on terror, then he's got to prove that he's connected to people that we're technically fighting, although we've never formally declared war. You know, William o- General William Oden, the Reagan's head of the NSA, right before he died, had a couple of really great quotes about the war on terror. Here's one of them. Yeah. As many critics have pointed out, terrorism is not an enemy. It is a tactic. Because the United States itself has a long record of supporting terrorists and using terrorist tactics, the slogans of today's war on terrorism merely makes the United States look hypocritical to the rest of the world. Wow, that that hits the nail on the head. Yep. That's General William Oden, the head of the NSA during Reagan's administration. Is that O-D-U-M? O-D-O-M. O-M, that's right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's being honest, a, a moment of candidness. There's I he, there's about ten things he said like that yeah. that are just like yeah, you know, it's pretty 
pretty right. pretty serious. Yeah, uh, where we equate terror to mean people who do things who aren't our friends. Mm-hmm. Right, and we have to use terrorism yeah. against them at times. It's interesting because that makes that 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 plays nicely into what you're what you're yeah. what you're talking about here. Terrorism has not. Terrorism, as we understand it now, is no longer a tactic. It is a propaganda tool. Right. That's right. You know? That's right. Uh, but, exactly. But in reverse, you know. It's a pseudonym for communism, yeah. basically. Uh, let me just finish here. Gaffney said, what's going on in conservative circles should get everyone real cause for concern. What it bespeaks is an effort to penetrate and influence conservatives who are the most likely and perhaps only community in America who will stand up to and ultimately help ensure the defeat of this seditious totalitarian political program. And what I want to know is what is he specifically saying to do to them? I never hear I never hear them say, well, okay, here's what camps. we physically need to do to well camps. They did it to Japanese. Yeah, special camps we got. They have. did it to Japanese. That you know that's the one thing I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, you know I thought maybe they wanted to deport them or or jail them or do these kind of things, but mm. internment camps would be more historically consistent with the direction of thinking they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're seditious and we don't know. Mm-hmm. If I could just wrap up with our two paragraphs here, just so people know who these Muslims for America is. I mentioned that group, and I had to look up, so I just went to Wikipedia to start to find out who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, a group they mentioned, part of these insidious groups. Mm-hmm. Muslims for America is a pressure group dedicated to introducing American Muslims into politics and ensuring U.S. foreign policy is written with an understanding of Islam. According to its website, Muslims for America aims to work with the Republican National Committee in setting up American Muslim Republican caucuses within each state Republican party, in addition to building pro, uh, relations with each Democratic Party. The group was founded and is funded by American Muslims of Pakistani and Central Asian descent. Muhammad Ali Hassan and his mother, Simi Gul Khan Hassan, claiming to be bipartisan in nature, Muslims for America, believe the best foreign policy plans could mature from both the Republican and Democratic Party. However, some hold the view that the group is really a partisan Republican lobby organization. Isn't it funny? They're fighting this group that's a pro-Republican. One of the group's founders, Simi Gulhan Hassan, reportedly having donated more than $1 million to Bush and Republican causes since the 2000 presidential election campaign. And when announcing the name change, Mm. the original name of this group was Muslims for Bush. The group stated amongst its aims to create greater friendships between American Muslims and the Republican Party. During the 2006 Israel-Lebanon conflict, the organization faced conflicting uh, interests between the strong support for Israel by the U.S. government and American politicians and the general attitude of Muslims toward Israel. Muslims for America has consistently expressed a zero-tolerance policy for any kind of terrorism in following the example left by the Prophet Muhammad. In 2010, co-founder Muhammad Ali Hassan announced that he would be leaving the Republican Party, citing the party's bigotry against Muslims, undocumented immigrants, and gays. Uh, the mother, Simi, has also criticized the party. Uh, for its opposition to the Park 51 Muslim Community Center, claiming that the past few years in the Republican Party has been a constant humiliation for Muslims. So I'm, this is a big mess. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's hard for me to sort all this out. I imagine our yeah. listeners do. I was thinking, boy, it's, can it's we just, just not go line we, by line and I'll give my two cents? I it's mean. just not what, <laughs> things aren't what we see to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got Muslims here who are saying they want to be loyal Americans. They want to support Republicans. Mm-hmm. you got Republicans fighting probably them. A, probably just a front. They were originally a big contributor to the Bush campaign. I read a news article that said that they're all secret plants. It's like 
the communist deep moles, you know, yeah. live over here for years, do good hard work, uh, all of a sudden explode. But, you know, the the Bush campaign didn't mind taking their uh, million dollars or so of money. Yeah. They were willing to take that in the Muslims for Bush. Mm-hmm. So, you got a story? We're getting up closer to the end here. All we're right. We're going a little bit over time, but give us another story. This is from cstrains.com. It's, it's a... a Online community for people who like trains, you know. That's um, a, a very common place, I'd think, for stories for yeah, Future Quake. Yeah. Why didn't I think it, of that? Trains exclusive. Yeah. Amtrak police chief bars Transportation Security Administration from some security operations. In late February, the, transpor- the TSA took over the Amtrak station in Savannah, Georgia, and thoroughly searched every person who entered. None of the passengers got into trouble, but the TSA certainly did, big time. Amtrak police chief John O'Connor said he first thought a blog posting about the incident was a joke. Then he discovered that the TSA's Viper team did at least some of what the blog said. Uh, he was livid. He ordered the Viper teams off tra- Amtrak property immediately, at least until a firm agreement had been drawn up to prevent the TSA from taking actions that the chief said were illegal and clearly contrary to Am- Amtrak policy. Uh, when I saw it, I didn't believe it was real, O'Connor said. When it developed that the posting was an anti-TSA on an anti-TSA blog was not a joke, I hit the ceiling, uh, quoting mm-hmm. quoting uh, uh, Police Chief O'Connor. Um, you can see video of the thing if you go to LiveLeak, by the way. Uh, O'Connor said the TSA Viper teams, V-I-P-R, like the mm-hmm. scary acronym, uh, have no right to do more than what the Amtrak police do occasionally, which has produced few, if any, protests and which, and which O'Connor said is clearly within the law and the Constitution. Interesting. So he's he's tacitly yeah. saying what TSA does is outside the law and the Constitution. Wow. More than a thousand... You know t- how much bravery it takes for an official like that to do that, to stand against the rest of the juggernaut? Uh, well, he's. I guess if there's one guy to do it, it's got to yeah. be those type of guys, you know? The incoming DA of um, yeah. San Mateo County has said he will summarily arrest anybody. Uh, he sees doing the TSA thing, TSA type procedures, mm-hmm. which is interesting because San Francisco International Airport is inside the TSA, is inside San Mateo County. Yeah. And from from what I heard, he actually he actually stationed uh, a police officer there to watch him. Like right on, man. Oh, way to go. I don't know what the rest of your politics are, but I yeah. like that one right. pretty darn right. well. Right. Uh, these screenings are only occasional and random. Uh, more than, well, back up one sentence. More than a thousand times Amtrak teams, sometimes including Viper teams, have performed security screenings at Amtrak stations. These screenings are only occasional and random and inspect the bags of about, of only one, about one in ten passengers. There is no wanding of passengers and no sterile area. O'Connor said the TSA violated every one of these rules, and they did. I watched the video. Mm-hmm. They were screening every passenger. They had, you know, men, women, and children. They were touching them inappropriately yeah. and, you know, a posting in late February to the TSA's uh, blog, which serves as a public relations tool f- of the TSA, tried to explain why TSA pa- agents took over the Amtrak station in Savannah. But O'Connor said the facts as posted on the TSA blog were incorrect. He said the blog indicated that Amtrak had approved of the operation, but he had, it had not. He called the TSA's posting on blogtsa.gov inaccurate and insensitive. As of the, as of the time the story was filed, the same posting remained on the blog. Um, O'Connor said he must take some of the blame because he did not more carefully observe what the Viper teams were doing. He said the TSA had apologized repeatedly to him, but they must agree to firm restrictions before he will consider allowing them on back on Amtrak property. Uh, 
Um, uh, what's interesting um, is you watch the videos of all this stuff, and they're just doing, mm-hmm. you know, doing the searchy type stuff that you would get on an airplane. But what's interesting is the way that they were set up, um, and, and I'll read here. The TSA did not, as the blog said, funnel people who arrived by train into the station for a search. Instead, the TSA took over the station and posted notes mm-hmm. outside saying that anyone who entered would be subject to mandatory screening. Those who knew the Savannah station realize that it generally is not necessary for anyone arriving or departed by train to go into the station. It's much easier to park the car or be dropped off near the platform. Mm. So yeah. it's like... They're big bullies that come in. Yeah, yeah. They're bulls in a china shop. There's absolutely no reason. They're yeah. they're performing essentially zero security function. Yeah. Because like they're that. not they're not funneling, you know. Mm. So yeah. Um, you know, it seems like to me that um, the best thing if we got to do something with terrorists to keep them occupied, it would be maybe around Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Because when I when I wrote it, first of all, when I went to go get the ticket, there was like a six inch thick plate glass window. I had to buy the ticket through. Because there were like a lot of other CD characters that were riding the train when I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that a lot of these terrorists would probably be scared or intimidated by some of the other people I saw on the Amtrak train. And the other thing is, is if they have any kind of like um, synchronized timing, you know, when they want to do their events or something like mm-hmm. that, they would be totally ruined on Amtrak. Because when I've read it, written it, they never it's on time. Ridiculous. Yeah. They stop all the time. They stop and have smoke breaks out in the middle of nowhere. And it would totally stymie any kind of plans they had. So I would think that would be a good place instead of Guantanamo Bay to put them. would just be on Amtrak trains rolling around. I'll tell you sort what. Sort of like man. MX missiles. And they would be totally frustrated and mm-hmm. and totally scared by the uh, people they'd be around on the Amtrak train. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad this dude stood up to him. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, I know. Oh, and, and not only that, he said... Just you know, like that DA you were talking about, yeah, San Mateo County. Yeah, the other thing that was cool is he said, oh, by the way, you know, I, I should accept part of the blame because I didn't look at these people more carefully. It's yeah. like everything that you're supposed to do as an upstanding yeah. citizen and somebody who's in, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, position of authority, yeah. you know. Like, I'm supposed to look at this stuff. I'm supposed to be in control, so part of the blame rests with me because I didn't look at it more closely. Because the buck never stops. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, can I can I share a few little quickies, a few sure, little man. couple of half Get pagers? Uh, they're they're semi related. Roll. So we're getting along long long in the tooth on this show. Um, I just wondered if you you don't have any more emails, do you? I, if do, I, do you want me to? I kind of liked them. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll tell you, can I get some little quickie stories here? Okay. Because you know, a lot of times, most weeks we end up two stories apiece. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Thought I'd throw some other quick ones out. I'd pull down. Um, Beck says, I'm not saying God is causing earthquakes. This is from Media Matters. Um, Following a lengthy discussion involving the Japanese earthquake, bond markets, unrest in Libya, and a man who was killed trying to photograph the tsunami in California, Glenn Beck lamented that we can't see the connections here. Like, Mm. why can't people see it? Now, he's going to say one thing here I thought was interesting. He says, Beck said that he's not saying that God is, you know, causing earthquakes. And then he clarified that he's not saying... Not not saying that either. And then he added, whether you call it Gaia or whether you call it Jesus, there's a message being sent. And that is, hey, that stuff you know you're doing, it's not really working out real well. Maybe you should stop doing some of it. Isn't this interesting how much he's postured himself with the Christian community and worked so hard to develop? Has all those, you know, monotheistic mm-hmm. religion people in there. And he's yeah, talking Richard about Lane's Gaia. Calling, now calling um, um, Mormonism the yeah. fourth Abrahamic faith. Yeah. But he's talking about Gaia, 
about whether you call it. You see, I've had people saying that he's really getting into New Age stuff mm-hmm. in some of his teaching yeah. and stuff good, like that. close friend of mine That's says a pretty I, refuse, good. I refuse to watch him anymore because yeah. the last thing I need to do, yeah. he may have good reporting, but the last thing I need yeah. to do is hear about faith from yeah. uh, from a television pundit. Well, it's just weird that he's, he's closing up to evangelical leaders and he's talking about Gaia. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't dwell on it, granted, but the fact that you even throw that up. He says, early in the discussion, he said, I'm, I'm not saying that Jesus, I'm not saying that Jesus is coming. I'm just saying things are changing. The world, I mean literally, the world is moving under your feet. I mean, there could be, uh, could there be a bigger sign than, oh, by the way, I mean, in a casual conversation, somebody said, did you hear the, mooth, the earth moved off its axis? Uh, yeah, in the actual th- saying he says here, he says, uh, God, what God does is God's business. I have no idea. But I'll tell you this, whether you call it Gaia or whether you call it Jesus, there's a message being sent. And that is, hey, you know that stuff we're doing? Not really working out real well. Maybe we should stop doing some of it. I'm just saying. And yesterday I got home and I was thinking about all the messages that I could bring in, all the stuff that I could tell you. And, oh, I've got stuff on Hezbollah. I have stuff on radical Islam in America that will make your eyes fall out. Or I could tell you the answer, and the answer is buckle up. Buckle up because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Make sure you keep your arms and legs inside the car at all times because things are going to get bumpy. And just a few reminders there at the beginning, and this roller coaster takes off. Always a good safety tip. Keep your arms and legs in. Don't do anything stupid. What what do you say we follow the big big top ten? Uh, you can call them Moses' Ten Commandments or Ten Rules of Thumb. What do you say we start doing those things? Because the things we're doing really suck, and they're not getting better. That sounds like... That was his guidelines. So he was able to work the Ten Commandments in or Ten Rules of Thumb yeah. uh, along with Gaia. And it's not necessarily Jesus coming, but there's some big changes coming. Yeah, this sounds... Let me translate. Earth changes... Uh, new age evolution. We're all light beings. Could have come right out of, exactly. Yeah. It could have come right out of the triple IHS meeting. I was at. Light beings. But yes, yet, all the evangelicals have well, not all of them, but a lot of them have gotten right. It's like he's a Pied Piper. Yeah. You know. I'm glad we. I'm glad we support him. Yeah. So <clears throat> keep keep an eye on those the new age connections here. Um, related to the same kind of guys from the same kind of. You know, the first half of the show, I talk about these people wanting to have a holy war with everybody and wanting mm-hmm. to kill them all. Now I'm talking about people on the other era mm-hmm. side that want to say it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as we're all getting along together, that's all that matters. And, and the fundamentals of what you believe doesn't matter. So here, here's the we, – we've gone aired to the right. Now people are airing to the left. It says, Rick Warren to interview Tony Blair at Saddleback Church from the Christian Post. Uh, Mega church pastor Rick Warren will speak to former Prime Minister Tony Blair on Egypt and peace in a globalized economy next next month at Saddleback Church, which you know that's what a church is all for, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To have these kind of global political meetings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blair is very excited about being a guest lecturer. Now, why would Blair be very excited about this? Because what does he, gets he to see show as a purpose? Angel of light. Well, that and he sees this whole movement, and he sees Rick Warren as a tool to be directed. Sure. He sees this as a movement that can for some, serve his purposes. Yeah. I mean, for some of our newer listeners, I would just like to point out that Tony Blair, you know, by his own right. admission, you know, gets he says he occasionally gets possessed by an angel of light. 
uh, in the morning, mm-hmm. and it sometimes throws him to a ground to the ground, and he rolls around on the floor. The other thing is that uh, his wife, who's been very vocal about right. it, goes to witches and stuff regularly, to you know, uh, with like hair and fingernail clippings of Tony to get mm-hmm. get forecasts and whatnot. I'm glad you said that. I was going to ask you to share yeah. that. There's and there's so many there's a whole ton more. Those are the people. So they of course they went into Catholicism because. As what I've observed, the Pope is willing to take anybody in as long as he declares allegiance to mm-hmm. him. So you can believe what you want as long as you take orders mm-hmm. from there. So now he's a Roman Catholic while still accepting all of that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we have an evangelical, southern I guess he's a Southern Baptist, pastor who actually is bringing him in after all of these beliefs Where? expressed. Where? At Saddleback. Oh. Bring him into the church. Is, uh, wait, Rick Warren's a, a Southern Baptist? I thought he was. Oh. I thought he was. I, 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 you, you could be 100% yeah, right. I uh, could be wrong on this. Uh, anyway, he's very excited about being a guest lecturer at the 7th Settleback Civil Forum to be held March 6th. Um, we're going to take five letters of the Global Peace Plan and the five global giants and talk about spiritual emptiness, corrupt leadership, extreme poverty, pandemic diseases, and illiteracy and education. These are the five problems the peace plan is designed to address. Warren told his congregation. The acronym for the peace plan is based on the five actions Jesus modeled. Promote reconciliation, equip servant leaders, assist the poor, care for the sick, and educate the next generation. Now, he also, didn't he also talk about the kingdom of heaven? Did he say something about that? Well, or dying and rise again on the yeah, third day? Yeah, some, sort of some sort of a, I don't recall the exact reconciled quote. Reconciled to like, God? We're I thought all, that was part of what Jesus did too. Yeah, mm. But he had You're these other the things. It's like it's so high that I'm yeah. like I almost can't hit it. I may be confused. I mean, I'm thinking about yeah, well, a different you know, character in the Bible. Well, he did have that. Uh, the, Tony Blair, of course, did have that whole class where he taught at Columbia University that was talking about uniting all the world's religion for a new global peace initiative. Right. Yeah. And, and this is a tool. He yeah. sees Rick Warren as a way to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. And Rick okay. Warren is just like, yeah, buddy, I get to hang out with. It's power. It's power. Stroke my ego. Blair, who served as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from 97 to 2007, is the official envoy on the Middle East peace process, representing the U.S., United Nations, European Union, and Russia. I'm going to talk to him about Egypt and all the inside information, said Warren. I want more Christian news. Warren is expected to award Blair with the annual International Medal of Peace. The award is given to individuals who exemplify outstanding contribution toward alleviating the five global giants. Last fall, George W. Bush was a guest of the Saddleback Forum and Leadership and Service shortly following the release of his memoir, Decision Points. Bush is a representative, a recipient of the Peace Medal in 2008 for his administration's work in combating AIDS. Launched in 2008, the Saddleback Civil Forum uh, features influential leaders who speak on pressing issues in the world in order to promote personal responsibility, social civility, and spiritual maturity. Hmm. And and I guess Tony Blair can handle that or help with that. Uh, I see in his own unique way, Rick Warren is following the steps of uh, Billy Graham in a lot of ways. Mm. As far yeah, as his endearment and, and closeness to powerful world fi- officials and things like yeah. that, um, it, at least uh, at least uh, Billy Graham gave the plan of salvation when he wasn't denying it on television on yeah, broadcasters. At least, at least it did. Occasionally you know, he did do it in Crusades. Yeah. But I don't hear much of that from Rick Warren anyway. And you know what's sad about that is I have resisted trying to criticize him because these things are helping people. Point. Well, I know it's getting harder and harder. All these things he wants to do, 
Those are good things that we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And if we did it, the church did it, then we wouldn't have to worry about the, the liberals having the state do it mm-hmm. or liberals fixing these things because we should do it. Yep. But we should do it in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Boom. You know? Anyway. Okay, awesome. last thing. Here's the last of the triumvirate of half-pagers. <laughs> They're all related. Okay. Okay. Tony Blair quotes Quran, says, Grand Mufti gone home to paradise. What? Now, he's the one who's the head of this conference that promotes spiritual maturity. At Saddleback, Tony mm-hmm. Blair, here's a recent quote from him. Uh, off his, this is off his website. We mourn Sheikh Mohammed Saeed Tantal, this champion of Islam, a loss to us all. Roman Catholic Tony Blair believes Muslim cleric uh, was saved by Allah without Jesus. Uh, Tony, uh, this is from News That Matters. Wait, what? This is what Tony Blair believes. Uh, Tony Blair's Faith Foundation honors the Muslim scholar by using this line on the home pages. To God we belong and unto him is our return. Uh, this is from Tony Blair's website. Again, this is being quoted at News That Matters. Tony Blair's website says, The sudden and unexpected death in Saudi Arabia on March 10th of Sheikh Mohammed Saeed Tantawi instills, stills the voice of an outstanding Muslim scholar and takes not only from Egypt but from the whole world a great exegete of the Holy Quran. As Grand Mufti of Egypt from 86 to 96, and then as the head of the Al-Hazar University and Grand Imam of the Al-Hazar Mosque, Sheikh Tantawi gave courageous guidance to Muslim communities during challenging times. His timely fatwas dealt with pressing uh, and contentious issues. His great 15-volume work of Tafsir is both an important historic work for Islamic scholarship and a spiritual guide for many Muslims. Mm-hmm. The Tony Blair Faith Foundation remembers him not simply as a great scholar, but his contribution to interfaith relations, his meeting with rabbis uh, and the Archbishop of Canterbury, George Carey in an interfaith meeting in Alexandria in 2002, his links with the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue, and its clear rejection of the clash of civilizations. His famous words, the difference between jihad and Islam and extremism is like the earth and the sky, will echo through the coming decades. We mourn this champion of Islam, a loss to us all, Tony Blair. Mm-hmm. And then he closes with, Serene soul, return to your Lord, well pleased with him, and he will be pleased with you. In, uh, enter among my servants into my paradise. This is quoted from Quran. Wow. Now, you know what it sounds like is that when I'm reading these things, it totally contradicts the other things that I'm saying. But I, what I want to be, to be an honest broker here, is the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, you've got people who want to kill all the Muslims or do something terrible to them. Rather than let them practice in freedom here like we do. Yeah. And then you got on the other side, you got guys like Tony Blair, who's a complete ecumenist, doesn't really mm-hmm. care what people believe. He likes world peace. He likes political peace. And he's willing to use religion if necessary and tap people on the back and say that they're okay and what they believe is okay for that purpose. And then you got guys like Rick Warren, who's a Baptist pastor. He says, oh, come on, I'll have you over here. Let's let's all do this. Let's not get on sticky doctrinal issues. Let's just focus on good we can do. And that's so sad because many of those good things are good things to do. Sure. And, they're, and, and you know what? Muslims could help people do their in their own way. People are sick or people have money. Mm-hmm. Christians can do their kind of thing. But we shouldn't be going and saying it doesn't matter if you believe in you know the Muslim 
uh, plan of salvation or Christian. They're both one and the same. Yeah, no, that's, And that's, that's the mistake worse. people make. It's like one or the other. They think either you're embracing each other doctrinally 100%. Or you're killing each other. Yeah, there's no third. There's no third way. There's no like third way. Yeah, there's no. no third way of being decent, and and like Paul says, if at all possible, live peaceably among all men. Mm-hmm. But yet at the same time, you can never accuse Paul of not defending the gospel. But at the same time, he wasn't trying to get people killed. So we're giving mm-hmm. a false dichotomy. Like here's our two choices. Yeah. Do you want to be an ecumenist with the globalist, or do you want to have a holy war? And I, there's powerful people that are getting big money really on both those this. sides, on both extremes. I know. And then there's the rest of us poor slobs out here, and I mean poor literally. Well, you know what? I, I mean, I feel your, uh, to, quote a, to quote a liberal, I feel your pain. Yeah. But, um, you know. Did you bite your lip when you said it? No. I feel your pain. No. I, I can't do myself. a Bill Clinton, but, yeah. <laughs> um, the, whole, the, the whole thing about this is, you know. Uh, I, I bring it back to my quote earlier, you know, about uh, from uh, uh, Felix, uh, Massilius Felix there, yeah. you know, you know, the early church guys, they did battle with the Romans. And it's like, oh, you're going to put me to death. Yeah. Let's roll, yeah. you know, and. Um, but they didn't go put other people to death. No, no. And I think what you're going to see out of the midst of all of this is is a massive upheaval about like, you know, fake Christianity. And then you're going to ha- see, in the midst of all that, you're going to see some people who are just as heroic as yeah. the early Christians. And it's sad, but, you know. But it doesn't appear it's going to come from our Christian leaders. Yeah. The well-known ones. In other words, there'll be who a God. Who says they're my Christian leaders? Well, I know. Who but says they'll, they're they'll, Christian leaders? There'll be actually a God-raised leader at the right time. Mm-hmm. Be t- probably totally unexpected quarters that'll actually represent Christ. But, you know, the, the former group that wants a holy war. Mm-hmm. They may well get their holy war, and there may be a bloodbath. But what will happen is, is that the latter group, this globalist group that really has the power, will use that as an excuse to totally clamp down on Christianity, mm-hmm. as well as Islam, Judaism, whatever's left over. They'll use all of that to clamp down on it, and they'll, we will have, through doing the former, we will justify the latter group to be able to put the hammer down on all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things important uh, that I one of the things one of the things I think is important is to really keep a God's eye perspective on all of this stuff you know it's just it's like yeah this is bad yeah these people are bad but are they doing what Jesus told them to do sure doesn't seem like it you know well I think that's my whole premise I know that's 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 kind of the thing and uh, they may be bad mouth in the faith and destroying it and all that stuff, but but you know, uh, well, rocks and, and donkeys, be wrong. rocks and donkeys. God can speak through rocks and donkeys. Yeah, you know, maybe that should be the name of our show. <laughs> hey, w- would you like me to close with an email? Please do. Yeah, I think you'll like this one. Yeah, here on a on a on a slightly milder note. Uh, okay. Corn corn finished lock limit down today. Man, I've been worrying about that the whole show. Yeah, I know. Now, is this like corns on your feet or? Yeah, yeah. A massive bloodbath. Okay. Well, why did you bring that up, by the way? I just happened to see it on my little ticker here on my little. How about listening to the show? What? Huh? Boy. Wish we had in the regular guest in here, our regular. Somebody, guest somebody host. who's not. Okay. This is from Maria. 
You remember Maria? I do remember Maria. Maria. Yeah, she was very. There's actually, very we have sweet. two Marias that email in. Oh, so this which is one, one is this? Uh, Maria T. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, Maria T says, uh, "I heard Tom say something uh, in the la- latest podcast that resonated with me." Talking of child porn in the FBI, he mentioned how he reads news articles, but they seem to disappear without a ripple. Uh, When I wrote to you about my opinion about the DEA and drug trafficking, it's mostly the same. I used to read the news nightly for four or five hours, digging to all sorts of news sources, particularly foreign affairs and Israel-Palestine. Reading news items here and there, a picture starts to develop, but those news items generally disappear, and the subject becomes hard to research. Nevertheless, I've tried to dig a little more about into the drug trafficking issue in the DEA. Mostly I'm finding items about the CIA. Uh, she says a very recent book uh, reviewed in Global Research, which is globalresearch.ca, an interesting site, mm-hmm. is called, for those of you interested in this topic, it's called The Never-Ending War, The Personalities, Politics, and Espionage Intrigues that Shaped the DEA by Dr. John Jiggins, J-I-G-G-E-N-S. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, she also says, to my surprise, I found an entry in Wikipedia, uh, although CIA, not DEA. However, the article provides a bibliography and a list of external links. One of these links is to Narco News, which, is, which was a very reputable news source during the years that I read the news. Hmm. Uh, if you go to CIA under CIA underscore drug underscore trafficking and trafficking mm-hmm. with a K, mm-hmm. uh, you'll find some of the information here. And I know there's a lot of our listeners interested in this topic. It says, here's a book that I've never run into before, Drug Politics, Dirty Money and Democracies by David C. Jordan, uh, which is another one uh, mm-hmm. to look into further. What really happened has some well-documented info on a particular part of Iran-Contra and potentially helpful links mm-hmm. uh, as well, too. So recommend that. And uh, she mentions an article in The Economist, an article entitled America's Favorite Heroin Dealers. And uh, if if you want, I can send that link to anybody who's interested uh, in The Economist. And she mentions on torture, she says, I don't know which came first, but if, as Tom said, the U.S. hangs as a form of torture, so do the Israelis. I had read about a specific hanging style known as Palestinian hanging. Uh, in which the hands are tied back, and then the person is hanged from the wrist to the ceiling, which causes shoulder and arm dislocations. And when the U.S. invaded Iraq, I started seeing the same style described in newspaper articles dealing with U.S. torture of Iraqis. Mm-hmm. That's, now, that's interesting you mentioned that. I came across uh, that, too, but I yeah. failed to mention it. Yeah, I've seen that, too. too. Not surprising, since the U.S. and Israel exchange military personnel, i.e., they do cross-training. For information on Israeli tortures, check out... AdamEar.org, and that's A-D-D-A-M-E-E-R.org, B-T-S-E-L-E-M.org, that's B-T-S-E-L-E-M, uh, IfAmericansNew.org, or this link, uh, which she lists another one. It says, uh, I also found a photo of Palestinian hanging, although the man is not hanging but standing. And that is from uh, CivilLiberty.About.com. Uh, she says, on Israel, when I... Uh, Used to read news. I ran into frequent items that stated that Israel was number one in ecstasy and white slavery trafficking. I also ran into references that Israelis have major involvement in the European porn industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peace and blessings, Maria. And uh, that's really sad to hear because I I have seen that from other places too. You know, the whole Israel issue is so charged to find unbiased information is difficult to find. Mm-hmm. But for whatever people are involved in that kind of stuff, the Israel, whatever, they're going to pay a heavy price for the Lord. 
Yeah. I mean, there's going to be better, major better shaking. Better repent, bro. That's right, and that includes any of us who got stuff going on. Yep. That's all I got for for this week. Really? Yeah. More. Well, I've got one from PJ Crowley, but we're getting we're almost oh, on our two hour limit here. Oh, really? Do we? Have, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, PJ Crowley, by the way, I guess you heard about uh, him speaking out about uh, Manning. Um, no. Oh yeah, he he came out. You know who the he's a State Department spokesman. He's the guy you see on TV from mm-hmm. the State Department. He has resigned after publicly crossing swords with the Pentagon over the treatment of Army soldier accused of leaking hundreds of thousands of classified military reports. Oh, so he reports. stood up for Manning because yes. he was being treated like he was a, you know, like he was in a, like a 12th century her- you yeah. know, prison for heretics. Private First Class Bradley Manning. Yep. He said he, what he said was uh, he says he is detained at the brig in Quantico. And his handling, the Pentagon's handling of him, is ridiculous and counterproductive and stupid. Right on, man. And um, it cost him his job. He went on and resigned. It angered some of the Pentagon and others. You know, he's the uh, one who they were taking all his clothes every night, ready to sleep totally naked every night. Um, And uh, as long as he had enough blankets. Yeah, he was at MIT when they were talking about this, and ABC's Jake Tapper asked Obama during a white. White House press conference whether he agreed with Crowley. And uh, Obama says, with respect to Private Manning, I've actually asked the Pentagon whether or not the procedures that have been taken in terms of his confinement are appropriate and are meeting our basic standards. They assure me that they are. Yep. I can't go into basic details about some of their concerns, but some of this has to do with Private Manning's safety as well. So Good when, thinking. When he tried to press the president further, Obama replied tersely, I think I gave you an answer to the substantive issue. So he didn't elaborate further on it. So, But uh, Crowley later gave no apologies for his remarks, but acknowledged that they made his continued service untenable. He says, my recent comments regarding the the conditions of the pretrial detention of Private First Class Bradley Manning were intended to highlight the broader even strategic impact of discrete actions undertaken by national security agencies every day and their impact on our global standing and leadership. The exercise of power in today's challenging times and relentless media environment must be prudent and consistent with our laws and values. Hmm. Right. That's a pretty clear way of saying we're doing rotten stuff and it's hurting us yeah. by doing rotten stuff. Yeah. I go back to William Odin's, uh, Odom's uh, quote earlier about, you know, we support terrorism regularly, and because the rest of the world sees it, and we talk about having a war on terror, we look foolish. Yeah. You know, just it's except like now it's like right here in our face, and nobody's nobody cares. You yeah. know, it's the exact same kooky ideology. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Um, other than before we forget, we need to ask Merv to come in and tell our listeners how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, that's uh, that's it for the show. Yeah, that's what you, what you get. <laughs> Any last words before we say goodbye? Um, 
No. That's it. Okay. I mean, there's, there's, I, I could, we could do hours each week, but you know, know. our listeners, are they're probably, probably they're already asleep right now anyway. They're probably asleep. I can, about I can actually a hear one hour the mark. snoring. It's so loud. It's like yeah. it coming back for, from the future. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're they're already <laughs> they're way out of it by now. Entire families yeah. are knocked off. Somebody's drooled on their iPod and it yeah. shorted out and yeah. electrocuted them. Yeah, if you see on TV some kind of like uh, vehicle cross on the median, you know, yeah, it's they're probably been listening to Future Quake and they're yeah. knocked out yeah. by it. So yeah, well, at least we can give you a good sleep. That's one thing we can give you all out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, thank you for hanging out, everybody, for all the encouraging emails and even the ones that uh, chide us to try to do better. Uh, we'll do the best we can. We're a little overwhelmed by what's going on in the world right now, mm-hmm. and particularly in the church. So mm-hmm. keep giving us your feedback, and uh, we'll keep looking for more answers. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Later. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake. quake.